Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Eastern family. We're coming to you live as we do every Monday from the Eastern Radio Show studio in St. Augustine, Jacksonville, Florida. Now, thanks for listening to Eastern Airlines Talk Radio, and my name is Neil Holland, the producer of the show. We have another great show for you tonight. To all the listeners around the world, we say welcome. Join us as we celebrate the life of Eastern Airlines every Monday at 7 p.m. Chuck? Hello, Eastern family and friends. As our producer said, it's great having you with us. My name's Chuck Albright, and I'm coming to you live from my home in the village of Sparta, where the weather today was absolutely gorgeous. Right now, it's between 69 and 70 degrees. It's really great to go out and play golf. Welcome, and thank you for listening and calling the show. You've truly made us the radio voice of Eastern Airlines. In fact, we can now say we've become Eastern Airlines' international radio show with over 50 countries listening in. Last week, we had listeners in these countries, China, Mongolia, India, Pakistan, uh, Turkestan, Somalia, Turkey, Hungary, Italy, Poland, Germany, Netherlands, Denmark, Sweden, France, Spain, Great Britain, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, Argentina, Czech Republic, 
Ireland, and Canada. And that, my friends, is just a great portion of the world. So we are simply saying, hello, world. We'd love to hear your comments and share your memories with the radio listeners from around the world during the broadcast. If you haven't called a show before, all you need to do is call 213-816-1611 and just jump right in and say hello. Talk to us on the air, live, every Monday evening. We identify with many countries around the world who listen in on our Blog Talk radio application. We're happy that you're using this cyber radio station. We can keep the Eastern Airlines legacy going on out to the Eastern family, but to listeners from many different countries around the world. That's what we try to do every week on the Eastern Radio Show. Won't you join us by adding your voice to these broadcasts? Our thanks also to those who choose to listen by computer, using the radio icon on our homepage at www easternradioshow.com or perhaps by signing in at the site of our provider Blog Talk Radio at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie now remember to abbreviate the word Captain to C-A-B-T should you wish to talk during our live broadcast feel free, use our call in number 213-816-1611 at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Let me repeat the number so you can write it down for your Monday night visits. By the way, tell your friends about us. Our number is 213-816-1611. Our membership is growing. We are now over 1,033 members. And don't forget, you can listen in to any of our 439 regular Monday night broadcasts and 100 plus Thursdays that we are now have special broadcasts by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. That's Captain Eddie, C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E, and scrolling down through the archives of the broadcast. Each episode is briefly described, and we're all over 550 episodes now, including Eastern Airlines Music and History. Wow, that's a real accomplishment. Our lines are always open for calls, and if you choose not to participate and talk live with our hosts, we ask you to please mute your phone, as our producer does not have the capability of filtering out background noises. I see we're number one for takeoff, so Captain, let's get Eastern Flight 439er in the air. Tower Blur is 650 volt, hip doesn't plan for the future, may not have one. Five years ago, Eastern saw the future in a remarkable aircraft. Now it's here. The new Boeing 757, the most advanced, most fuel-efficient commercial jet ever built. It's going to help Eastern hold down the cost of flying for years to come. We earn our wings for
early on a Sunday. hours into the attack, a KGU reporter makes the only known live report of the battle by telephone back to NBC News in New York. Listen to the sounds of bombing and gunfire during the transmission. Folks, this is real. This is a live, real recording back in the day. And now we take you to Honolulu. One, two, three, four. Hello, NBC. Hello, NBC. This is KGU in Honolulu, Hawaii. I am speaking from the roof of the advertiser Publishing Company building. We have witnessed this morning a distant view of the off Pearl Harbor and a severe bombing of Pearl Harbor by continue on okay two days ago we honored the victims in one of america's darkest moments of its history the attack on pearl harbor with relatively few losses from the japanese forces and more than 2,000 american deaths the casualties of the pearl harbor attack brought the united states into world war ii 
in the 110 minutes it took for the Japanese attackers to swarm the skies over Oahu and spray American bases below with bombs. There were 2,335 U.S. servicemen and civilians dead. Mr. Producer, do you have a clip of that declaration of war? Mr. Vice President, Mr. Speaker, members of the Senate and of the House of Representatives, yesterday, December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The United States was at peace with that nation and at the solicitation of Japan was still in conversation with its government and its emperor looking toward the maintenance of peace in the Pacific. The attack yesterday on the Hawaiian Islands has caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. I regret to tell you that very many American lives have been lost. In addition, American ships have been reported torpedoed on the high seas between San Francisco and Honolulu. As Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy, I have directed that all measures be taken for our defense, but always will our whole nation remember the character of the onslaught against us. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. I believe that I interpret the will of the Congress and of the people when I assert that we will not only defend ourselves to the uttermost, but will make it very certain that this form of treachery shall never again endanger us. Hostilities exist. There is no blinking at the fact that our people, our territory, and our interests are in grave danger. With confidence in our armed forces, with the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph so help us God.
Chuck, will you continue or I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Carrie? Okay. In honoring those who perished in that raid on our Pacific Naval Base, we have a few in- interesting facts you may not know. Chuck, what can you tell us about, what can you tell our listeners? Well, here's uh, 10 I can share with our listeners. Our listeners. The attack commenced at 7.55 a.m. on Sunday, December the 7th, 1941. The attack lasted 110 minutes from 7.55 a.m. until 9.45 a.m. Japanese launched their planes in two waves, approximately 45 minutes apart. First wave of the Japanese planes struck Pearl Harbor at 7.55 a.m. The second wave reached Pearl Harbor around 8.40 a.m. Japanese attacked the United States without warning when Japanese commander Mitsu Fuchuta called out, Tora, 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 which means tiger, 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 upon flying over Pearl Harbor, it was a message to the entire Japanese Navy telling them that they had caught the Americans totally by surprise. The Japanese traveled 3,400 miles across the Pacific to execute their attack on Pearl Harbor. Japanese attack forces stationed itself approximately 230 miles north of the Hawaiian island of Oahu. Plans for a surprise attack against the United States were begun early in January of 1941. Japanese forces were led by the Vice Admiral Jihadi Nahu. A Japanese fleet consisted of 353 planes. Jim Holder, <coughs> what did you find? Yeah, Chuck, I found these. The Japanese used the code name Operation Iwaya for the attack on Pearl Harbor. This was later changed to Operation Z. The Japanese specifically chose to attack on a Sunday because they believed the Americans would be more relaxed and thus less alert on the weekend. Many U.S. servicemen were still in their pajamas or eating breakfast in the mess halls when the attack on Pearl Harbor began. U.S. servicemen identified invading planes as Japanese because of the, quote, meatballs, end quote. That's what they call the large red circle, the rising sun, on the side of the airplanes. The Japanese only attacked the ships at Pearl Harbor Naval Base and the airplanes at Hickam Field, leaving surrounding areas such as a repair facility, the submarine base, and fuel oil storage areas unharmed. The Japanese stuck the airfields at Hickam Field, Wheeler Field, Bellows Field, Ewar Field, the Schofield Barracks, and the Kanawha <laughs> Naval Air Station. The United States aircraft carriers, which were the primary target of the attack, were not at the base at that time. Because of this, the Japanese canceled a planned second attack. There were eight battleships at Pearl Harbor, that day, which included all of the battle ships of the U.S. Pacific Fleet except for one, that being the Colorado. Seven of the U.S. battleships were lined up on battleship broke, and all eight U.S. battleships were either sunk or damaged during the attack. Amazingly, all but two, the two with the Arizona and Oklahoma, were eventually able to return to active duty. Now, Mike, what can you add to this? Well, Jim, uh, four of the American battleships stationed in Battleship Row were sunk. 
Another was capsized, and a sixth was uh, sixth ran aground. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Arizona exploded when a bomb breached its forward magazine, which was the ammunition room. Approximately 1,100 U.S. servicemen, servicemen died. After being torpedoed, the Oklahoma listed so badly that it turned upside down. During the attack, the Nevada left its berth in Battleship Row and tried to make it to the harbor entrance before being repeatedly attacked on its way. The Nevada eventually breached itself. To aid their airplanes on the attack, the Japanese sent in five midget subs to help target the battleships. The Americans sunk four of them, of the midget subs, and captured the fifth. Eleven other ships were sunk, and 188 planes were destroyed. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> 2,343 men were killed, 1,272 were wounded, and 960 left missing. A total of 2,335 U.S. servicemen were killed, and 1,143 were wounded. 68 civilians were also killed, and 35 were wounded. The Japanese lost 65 men, uh, with an additional soldier being captured. Only 28 Japanese planes were shot down and five midget submarines sunk. Now, I'm not sure who's next to add a few more to that. That's me, Mike. Thank you. Okay. That's right. Don. The United States declared war on Japan the next day as President Roosevelt gave his famous Day of Infamy speech to Congress, which you heard just a few minutes ago. President Roosevelt made a last-minute effort uh, edit to this speech, changing the speech a day that will live on the world history to a day that will live in infamy. Webster's Dictionary, infamy, as the state, uh, the state of being well-known for some bad quality or deed, also an evil or wicked act. The U.S. declared war on Germany and Italy on December 11th after they declared war on the U.S. The dropping of the atomic bombs on the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki helped bring the end to World War II in 1945. There was a floating national monument erected uh, on the hull of the sunken Arizona in 1962. And Mr. Producer, if I might add, uh, famous uh, singer Elvis Presley was a large donator of that monument. There is a conspiracy theory that FDR provoked the Japanese attack in order to sway American op opinion and make it possible for the U.S. to enter the war. The United States declared war on Japan on December 8, 1941, the day following the attack on Pearl Harbor. Remember, Pearl Harbor became the rallying call of the U.S. during World War II. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and what is the new Don, programming Don, for the coming year? Well, let's see. Uh, as a result of America's resolve to defeat the enemy, as President Roosevelt promised in his declaration of war speech that we heard earlier, I'd like to play this sound clip that kind of settles things. 
Battleship Missouri, 53,000-ton flagship of Admiral Halsey's Third Fleet, becomes the scene of an unforgettable ceremony marking the complete and formal surrender of Japan. In the Bay of Tokyo itself, the United States destroyer Buchanan comes alongside, bringing representatives of the Allied powers to witness the final capitulation. General of the Army Douglas MacArthur, Supreme Allied Commander for the Occupation of Japan, boards the Missouri. Fleet Admiral Nimitz, Pacific Fleet Commander, and Admiral Halsey welcome MacArthur and his Chief of Staff, General Sutherland, aboard. Admiral Nimitz escorts General MacArthur to the Missouri's veranda deck, where the 20-minute ceremony is to take place. It is Sunday, September 2nd, 1945. and reporters of many countries record this historic moment as United Nations military leaders crowd aboard the Missouri and examine souvenir cards bearing the Japanese flag, special mementos of the occasion. And now, in a Navy launch, the Japanese surrender party arrives. They are headed by Agent Mamoru Shigemitsu, foreign minister of the Japanese surrender cabinet, who was wounded by a Korean patriot in Shanghai years ago and walks on an artificial lake. delegation lines up on the opposite side of the surrender table from the Allies. A war which had entered its eighth terrible year in China, which had raged for three years and nine months for America and Britain, which was the brutal, costly eastern half of the most horrible worldwide war in human history, is now within minutes of ending for good. General MacArthur speaks. We are gathered here representatives of the major warring powers to conclude a solemn agreement whereby peace may be restored. The issues involving divergent ideals and ideologies have been determined on the battlefields of the world, and hence are not for our discussion or debate. The terms and conditions... I thought I'd uh, insert that to show you the <coughs> results of World War II with the Japanese. Uh, any comment, comments before I turn it back over to Kerry? Those were some very interesting tapes, Neil. You know, the yes, one that well. I found... Uh, one that I found that uh, was the only live uh, radio that uh, I played earlier. It was the only one that they have that uh, was recorded by this broadcaster. Didn't give his name, but um, uh, during the battle, and you heard the bombs and the gunshots and everything else live oh, yeah. uh, during that yep. report. So... Um, uh, that's our show for remembering two days ago, which we will never forget. We'll celebrate it every year, uh, as long as I live, and I'm sure our future generations of Americans, just as we do 9-11. So, Colleen, back to you. 
Okay. Don, what is the new programming for the coming year, 2020? Well, thank you, Carrie. Uh, we're bringing a show that Neil and I have been doing for the past year to our Monday lineup. Uh, to our Monday lineup, we will broadcast the greatest artists and bands during the Eastern years and Eastern history series. Starting with Monday, January 6th, the show at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The next Monday show on December 16th will be our regular topical show at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. During both shows, you will be able to call in and tell us what's on your mind or add your comments and requests to the show. We'll be playing the music of the greatest artists during the Eastern years and sprinkle it with a little Eastern history. History you'll probably have never heard, and Neil has got a lot of them. We've been playing the big band series, country western, pop, and other listed series while we're working at while we were working at Eastern. Call in and share your thoughts of the music and artist we select for each musical history show. You got a request for a song or an artist, and tell us what you want to hear. We're starting the new series of history with shows with two favorite. Uh, two of our favorites that can tell us about more of the series. Our EAL radio show program on Monday evening, January 6, 2020, at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, is the EAL Music and History program, formerly aired every Thursday, as I mentioned. We had a great time doing Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard this past year. I'm sure Jerem Holler will love that. So we thought we would start these series with the great artists, the stories, and Eastern history. This program is brought to you every other Monday evening for your enjoyment of listening to the music played while working at Eastern, along with the host team uh, reminiscing Eastern history and memories. You also hear the background of the musical artists chosen, and then Captain Neil will spin the record. During our program discussion, why not plan to join us and share some of your own memories of Eastern when you worked there? Now, I think Mark Holder's out there somewhere, so can you bring us up to uh, up to stuff with uh, the Eastern 3.0, Mark? Yes, good evening. Um, Eastern has its uh, second aircraft, seven, a Boeing 767-300, um, painted now in Peru. So both aircrafts are ready for launch from John F. Kennedy into Georgetown and to Guayaquil, Ecuador. Um, Guayaquil starts up uh, January 1st, 2020, and Georgetown starts up March 5th, 2020. Um, Eastern also went through all the steps and now a DOD airline, which is uh, government uh, transport troops. So that's a big moneymaker for Eastern. On its commercial flights, uh, Eastern allows you to bring one bag free, 70 pounds, and your second bag is $25. Um, and evidently, it looks like Eastern has two more points that they're coming out with in 2020. And um, 
the, the 777s are going to be used in 2020 in Eastern Airlines. Um, I'm not sure to what capacity, whether they'll be in South America or Asia. Um, that's about all I have so far, except um, on a charter basis, Eastern is operating daily out of Miami to Santo Domingo. You know, uh, well, uh, hey, uh, uh, Don, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about what I think, and I talked this over with Mark Porter, and I think he likes uh, or the suggestion that the um, passenger service, uh, he, he, he thought something about, uh, the, well, we talked about the domestic location of uh, the New Eastern, <clears throat> and I recall when we used the A300, we had it for, I don't know, maybe about a year, and um, Charlie Simons thought of the idea of getting an A300, or actually Airbus came to Eastern to see if they would uh, buy some uh, A300s because there was no American carriers operating that aircraft they were kind of afraid to buy against the American company and um, Charlie worked out a deal with Airbus that uh, was absolutely brilliant according to a book from the captain to the colonel uh, it uh, it tells a story about how he put it together but uh, Frank Borman was very very happy about the arrangement of getting the Airbus but once we got the Airbus, it proved to be a wonderful uh, aircraft for a service that I don't know who thought it up with the company. I can't uh, recall whose idea it was, but I guess it was Consolidated Freight Line when they uh, asked about uh, chartering or using the A300 because of its large cargo capacity. Uh, at night and fly from the East Coast to the West Coast with uh, Houston as the hub. So worked out real good. I think we had it for two years. The contract ended. And uh, I think it's one of the smarter operations that we did. Uh, the, the other one, of course, the brilliant one was the shuttle, the air shuttle. But I wonder why an airline like this New Eastern wouldn't do something like that. Any thoughts about that from you, Mark, or our host? Well, well I, I've, like just heard, I, I've just heard re rumor that Houston's on the agenda. Uh, they uh -oh. do have these 3747s and 3777s. It's hard to have airports that can handle a commercial 747. And Houston's all set up for that Turkish Air coming in there. So the rumors could be true. I hear that it covers the Caribbean very well, too, Houston. Like a Houston to Iwadia. Mm. Any other thoughts? No. Uh, uh, I was involved in cargo sales and service uh, uh, and during that time. And... and uh, Jerry Shore was a uh, uh, vice president of cargo sales and service, 
And they did a lot of research on this uh, A300, and um, boy, it was it was great. Uh, it was a great sales tool for us uh, in the sales department. Uh, we were able to to compete with uh, truck rates over the road. At that time, it was five cents a mile, and that's what we charged. And <laughs> instead of two and a half days, it was two hours. You know, it was great. But uh, the uh, the uh, consolidated air freight uh, contract was uh, really good, except that we had mechanicals. And <laughs> that put a kind of a wrench in it sometimes, but otherwise it was uh, $49 uh, uh, from uh, the New York, the Northeast, to Houston, and then another $49 uh, to the West Coast, uh, you know, Seattle, San Francisco, L.A., San Diego was a pretty good deal. I think Eastern should look at maybe purchasing A330 as they're more modern than the 767. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boeing sort of shot themselves in the foot by stopping production of the commercial 767. Yeah. Hey, Don, do you remember they had the little uh, uh gauge, I guess, a wooden gauge that you could put your suitcase in, and if it didn't fit, then it didn't go. Yeah. And you could take it aboard because you there was no room down in the cargo compartment. That would belong to Consolidated. Yep. And I always said that when I flew it, I flew it for about six months, I guess. I always said the people that we put up in the passenger seats were Greyhound rejects. <laughs> I never recall. I never forget recalling that I had a one flight, and the guy was sprawled out in the lobby there, right before the agent, before boarding, and he had flip flops and shorts, no shirt. Mm. And I asked the agent, I said, "Where is he going?" He said, "With you." I said, "No, he's not. He's not getting on the airplane." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was quite an operation, and um, it it it, uh, it I thought it worked out at least on the flights that I was on, and I didn't know too much about the mechanical. Sure, I had a, I brought an airplane in it with a mechanical, and uh, I had to talk to by, the, the vice president of flight operations about it. Um, can't think of his name now, but he was one of the old engineers that came back, and he became the. Uh, Chief pilot, I guess. Uh, what was his name? Oh, down in Miami. Frank Causey. And Frank Causey. Frank Causey. I call him at mm-hmm. 11 o'clock at night because I just, uh, oh, uh, no, 10 o'clock because I was just about to leave Atlanta and my flight engineer told me that the uh, flap indications, uh, one of the flap indicators was broken and uh, looked in the no go items in the continuing, you know, in that uh, whatever they call it. I, Boy, I tell you what, when you get old, you forget everything. But uh, he said, yeah, because you could visually check the position of the flaps in the back after I call him. I said, you're you're not serious, are you, Frank? And he says, yeah. He says, yeah, you can do that. Now, it must be fixed at the next maintenance base. I said, well, that's where we're headed. We're headed to Houston. And I said, do you mean I've got to send the engineer, when I put the flaps down prior to landing on final to go back, look out the window to see if the position of the flaps were 
were what the other one was supposed to be. I forgot exactly how it worked out, but mm-hmm. he said, yeah, you had to do that. You have to do that. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. but I'm not taking this airplane to wherever I was flying it to San Francisco or Seattle. I'm, I'm leaving it. Somebody else has got the problem when I get to Houston because we changed airplanes at Houston mm-hmm. and took, usually took another one. I don't know. Jim Holder, did you ever fly that? Moonlight. No, I didn't fly those. I probably just lubricated the corner screws <laughs> yeah. or something and said, yeah. you're ready to go, you know. And we hope it don't happen again. <laughs> yeah. Fine at all. Yeah. Well, at any rate, it was a good operation, and I just wondered why someone has not uh, done that now. I guess we've got all of these cargo operations and Amazon coming around uh, competing with uh, – with, um, FedEx and uh, UPS, and they've got the trucks on the road now. You see their little logo, delivering Christmas presents and so forth. So, and I guess the airplanes are also have that logo, that little swipe, uh, that little arrow. And um, so they'll be giving FedEx and UPS uh, some uh, competition. All interesting. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not running an airline. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little different now than it used to be. You've got, yeah. got to realize you got to keep your head down. Them drones are going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, Don, since Dorothy's not here, what do you got coming up? Okay. Uh, Miss Producer, here's what we've got coming up. Uh, for December 16th, uh, that show, we will review the year that ends in the decade of the tens, or should I say the teens, and we'll tell you the plans for our decade of the twenties. It's hard to believe that the year 2019 went by so fast, but we are happy to have brought you over 50 radio shows that mainly broadcast our, our love for Eastern Airlines all over the world. I'm not going to name all those cities, Chuck. It's our way of keeping the legacy of the great airline alive, and the memories are real. We start the new year with a slight change of format. As I mentioned earlier, we will still broadcast every Monday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, our sponsors uh, uh, may have something to say about uh, different chapters. Uh, uh, Colleen's not with us. Uh, Jim, how about Repa? What are they doing? Well, Repa, I do have a little bit of news. Uh, Don, Don Till, Neil, I'm sure you know Don. Uh, we had a farewell brunch here at our house last Sunday, and Don and his wife are moving to Dallas, uh, and he has made a tremendous, you know, they had a big place with a farm and all that, so he gave us an awful lot of uh, items that uh, mm-hmm. will be shown, will be uh, for uh, the uh, reunion in September. He'd already given us some for the hunt club, but he gave us all the tremendous amount of stuff. Uh, mm. Photographs, printing pictures, uh, you name it. QBs. But anyhow, uh, that's going to be for the auction in September at Kennesaw, and we'll go to OA Fish's uh, uh, summer camp for the guys and girls up there in the mountains of Carolina. And 
you know, uh, Bob Webb unfortunately died about a year ago, and he had also a tremendous amount of uh, Eastern memorabilia, uh, most of which, or some of which we already had at the auction last year. But his wife came to Johnny Johnson's funeral yesterday, and Terry and I were there, and, and had a real good turnout of Eastern pilots there. Uh, Johnny was one of the favorite, everybody's favorite captain. But she bought, uh, and we loaded him in the, the car and brought him back here, some beautiful pictures, framed pictures of Eastern aircraft and, and a bunch of other stuff. And that's going to be added to the auction stuff we already have. And there'll be more on when that's going to occur, but it's going to be in September. And, you know, we had a big, we raised over $1,200 last year, last September, rather. And uh, this one won't might be that big, but it's going to be big enough uh, to raise another goodly amount of money for OH fish. Terry, you can say you can tell you have loaded up into your car and unloaded here. Tell them what you think about all that stuff. Well, our garden room is full now. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> It's a lot of different kinds of stuff, pictures, and some of it's framed, some of it's not. Um, QB wings, um, hats and things, um, just a lot of different stuff from um, Don Teal and uh, Bob Webb. Yeah, I'm particularly proud of those. There's a big picture of a Boeing 720 framed in color, big, it's big, about three by two by three feet, I think. Uh, that came from Don Till. I mean, he may have flown yeah. the Boeing 320. But uh, no. we'll, well raise some more great. money in September. Yeah. With all that uh, memorabilia, uh, beautiful stuff, uh, sounds like to me you're going to raise a lot of money for OA's uh, uh, kids' camp up there in the North Carolina mountains. And and uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. he needs it and uh, to carry on which he's done for years and years, that operation. Yeah, he's doing a big expansion, and we're helping him do it. That's great. Okay, Neil? well, yeah, Neil? Don. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I go into this other thing, I um, uh, just wanted to keep you up updated. Uh, Dorothy and I uh, spent another uh, Thanksgiving with uh, Ed Slane down at his uh, club in uh, Fort Lauderdale a week or so ago. Ed wasn't feeling too good, but I talked to him yesterday on the phone, and he feels much better now. So I just thought I'd update you on that. And uh, I just received my last ERA newspaper today, and I don't know what to say about that. I was going to say a few words about it, Don. Okay. The last publication of the kit Keeping in touch, EARA, Eastern Airlines Retiree Association's newspaper. I guess it's that's what it is. Instead of a newsletter, it's a newspaper. And um, wonderful publication over the years, including um, information from all the chapters. I don't know how many there were. There were probably a dozen or more. And they would send their report into the editor and it would be printed in that newspaper along with um, the REPA and the silver liners and of course uh, those that uh, as we say in 
a pilot's lingo, those that flew west. They kept us uh, posted on those that passed away, new job opportunities. There was so much that the newspaper uh, contained. It's sad to see it go. Plus, they had all of the airlines that honored the uh, eastern employees. And um, so we're going to miss EARA newspaper coming. I got my last copy yesterday also. Yeah. And uh, it's very sad. So I'd like to extend um, a welcome to all of those that took and followed that newspaper, the history of Eastern and what was happening to the, the former Eastern people and the Eastern family and and tell everyone listening that well, we've got every Monday we talk about Eastern Airlines, the Eastern family. We're still doing fine. The Silver Liners talks about it. The Retired Eastern Pilots Association uh, talks about it. The Silver Falcons and uh, so we're still talking about Eastern Airlines, and and uh, we hope the radio show will be now a big part of folks calling in and listening and adding their comments because there's some great stories out there. Uh, Don, if you and don't mind. And now we have I'll Eastern 3 taking off. Eastern 3, yeah, there you go. Well, if you could, uh, Mark, if you could somehow see if you can get one of the officials to come on, we'd like to offer them a, a show that uh, they could tell us about, you know, what's happening with the new Eastern airlines. It would be great. Yeah. I'll reach out and uh, I'm sure um, uh, management or the CEO would like to say something prior to launch. Yeah. Be great. Okay, Don. All what right. Else you well, Neil's book wings of many is now, and along with a $40 donation, you can receive a copy of this book of the popular Eastern Book of Memories. Please consider making a donation. Remember, it's the donations and sponsors that keep this radio show on the air. We feel that we are offering the Eastern Airlines family what we have become known as and providing news information as the radio voice of Eastern Airlines. Uh, that's all I've got. Back to you, Neil. Okay. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I've been looking at my own book uh, that I uh, collected all these stories, mainly from the Repartee magazine. Wonderful uh, articles that appeared over the years, over the many years. What was it, Jim Holder, about 45 years? Oh, Lord. It, it, Repo, well, I, I started afterwards, but uh, Repo will be 50 years uh, next year, 2021. Wow. And I wow. believe it started about five years into it. Uh, it's, been a, yeah. it's been a long time. I mean, it was there for a long time and had some good, good stuff. Well, you're right. I've done some shows, or we've done some shows in the past year, over the past years. That came out of uh, some of the stories that uh, the book contained. And believe it or not, I'm working on volume two. I've said that over a year now. And uh, getting more and more stories and getting closer and closer to uh, sending it to the publisher to publish it. So, you know, it's uh, be uh, Neil, a lot of these people don't uh, know that uh, 
you have read on on the Thursday shows some mm-hmm. very very interesting letters written back in the 20s and 30s from Air Trans yeah. Eastern Air Transport, and I think yeah. that everybody would would love to hear those. Well, we're going to be doing that with the musical and history. We're going to be reading some of that and fascinating uh, stories and articles that were written back in the the mail. They call it the Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, let's see if we can put the airplane on the ground. Captain, be sure to tune in again Monday, December the 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the old year in review. Somewhat, we have plans for the new year. Hear what you missed, how to listen to episode we have done in the past. It's very simple. This is Chuck Albright signing off on behalf of our host, Dorothy Gagnon, Don Gagnon, Tim Holder, Corleone Defeat, Mike Scott, Mark Carter, and our producer, Neil Holland, playing our new sign-off music, Silver Wings by Merle Haggard. Mr. Producer, let's take this flight on Silver Wings. Don't leave me, I cried. Don't take that airplane ride. But you locked me out of your mind. You left me standing. Here behind Silver wings Shining in the sunlight Good night, Eastern family and friends from around the world. And good night, Eastern Airlines, wherever you are. We love you, Eastern. And have a very Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy New Year to all. Good night. Good, Good night. night. So long, Good guys. Night. Good, job. Good show, Neil. Good show, Thank Neil. You. Very good. Really nice. Taking you away and leaving me lonely, silver wings, slowly fading out of sight. Slowly fading out of sight. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night.